I'm Patricia Pierce. Welcome to the We Awakening podcast. Beneath the global crises we are facing, something truly extraordinary is happening on Earth. Planetary consciousness is shifting as humankind sheds its belief in separateness and awakens to the truth of interexistence. In this podcast, we explore this awakening into unitive consciousness that will give rise to a new world, and we celebrate the luminous web that connects us all. Hello, beautiful souls. My guest on the podcast today is Irish mystic Lorna Byrne. Lorna is a writer, the writer of eight books, and she's a peace ambassador. Her books have been translated into 30 languages and published in 50 countries. And in her groundbreaking memoir, Angels in My Hair, Lorna shares how from her early childhood, all of her life, she has been able to see and communicate with angels. That book for her really was a coming out, because up until that time, the angels had told her not to share with anyone what she was experiencing. But after sharing that book, which the angels also told her to write, she has been traveling the world, offering workshops and speaking on how we can contact and open our own experience and perception, awareness to our guardian angel and all angels, and how we can partner with the angelic realm in this important time in our history. It is my delight and my joy and my honor to have Lorna with us today. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Lorna, thank you so much for joining us today. I've been very much looking forward to our conversation. And I have to confess that before I read your book, Angels in My Hair, I don't know, a few years ago, a couple of years ago, maybe. I really was an agnostic when it came to angels. I hadn't ever had any personal experience. And even though I grew up in uh, the Christian church and I was a pastor for many years of my life, um, I still wasn't like, is angel, what is this angels? Is this like, are these like metaphors or symbols or is there something to this? And when I read your memoir, Angels in My Hair, you you made a firm believer out of me. So uh, I want to thank you, and I'm sure you get that comment a lot. Um, and this, this memoir really shares your story of being able to see and communicate with angels since you were, well, all of your life, since you were a young child. And this book really was your coming out uh, because... The angels had told you, warned you, in fact, not to share with anyone what you were experiencing until until they then told you <laughs> to share all of it in this in this book. So so first of all, um, before we jump into that story, I would love to hear you just describe for us what are angels and why are they here? I mean, that, that is such a beautiful question, um, Patricia. Um, what are angels and why are they here? Um, the why, are, why are they here? They're here for us. They're here to help to guide us through life, to help us. Um, and the most important angel to me is your guardian angel, because your guardian angel is the gatekeeper of your soul. And it's the one angel that 
can never leave you for one second, you know, and it loves you unconditionally. And I love the way I know to your guardian angel yourself, you are its number one. There is no one else in the world like you as far as your guardian angel is concerned. And I love the way they, the guardian angel loves us no matter what. You know, you know, the way sometimes we think maybe we're not the best person in the world at times, you know, and sometimes we might think we're the greatest person in the world. But your guardian angel loves you. It doesn't matter. Uh, that unconditional love is so incredible. And I have met so many people around the world now that when they realize that about their guardian angel, you know, that unconditional love, it brings tears to their eyes you know, that someone cares and and people know that, well, they're getting to know now why they have a guardian angel. And the big reason why you have a guardian angel, it's a gift from God, you know, and so many times through centuries, that gift has been kept hidden from people. You know, just a little bit gets out now and then in that way, but it has been kept hidden, you know, and I do think that's so sad to lock away a gift that God has given you or to ignore it. You know, it's the gatekeeper of, of your soul. And, you know, your soul is that spark of light of God. You know, it's pure love. And, and I love that as well. It's, it's pure love. Um, angels are creatures that were created by God long, long ago. And I used to feel so embarrassed to say that, you know, to say they were creatures, because that's the words I was told to use, mm -hmm. you know. Um, so I have to use them. I can't deny the words God has given me, so I have to use them. Um, but when you think of it, they are, they are incredible creatures, and they're, they're here for mankind to help us to intertwine evolve with our soul, that spark of light that God gave us of, of himself. Or you can say herself, whatever you want to call God in that, in that way. And to me, I think that's incredible because, you know, when I look out in the world today and I see all that's happening, you know, I just say to myself, how come God fell in love with us to give us that tiny spark of himself? so that we could live forever. I know our body doesn't live forever, but I do know when that intertwining, when we allow it of the human body and the soul, it will live forever and it won't get old and it won't get sick. You know, all the things we complain about today won't happen. Mm. So yeah. angels are just, in, they're incredible creatures, or you can call them incredible beings or whatever you want. but. They're here in our world. You know, they're here to help us, to guide us. And of course, there's archangels as well. And I love the archangels. Like I love Archangel Michael, um, even though he's a pest at times. You know, um, I often tell him to go away. I don't want to hear what God has to say at the moment. I'm up to my eyes. Leave me alone. Um, but it doesn't. It doesn't always always work. Um, but I I love the way. Oh, 
Alfred Lorne, I saw you with a very handsome man, you know, and I would never have been with a man except Joe, my husband, right. you know, and I would just kind of look at them. Yeah, I wouldn't say anything, you know, <laughs> and because I knew that God had allowed them to get a glimpse of Archangel Michael, mm. but they didn't recognize that at that time, just like the two priests in Maynooth College, you know, that were walking towards us and Archangel Michael walking with me. Um, and it was like as if I was the invisible one. They acknowledged Archangel Michael because he he dressed like a priest and they said, good morning, Father. Yes. You know, and it was like I wasn't there. <laughs> and it's so interesting because... Um, you know, for the most part, most people, most people don't see angels, but there are times when they can become visible. And you've talked also about how they will appear to someone according to their own beliefs, their own tradition. They'll take on the form, the shape that will be most comfortable and acceptable and understandable for that person. So when you talk about Archangel Michael or Archangel Gabriel, those are names that, of course, are given in the Judeo-Christian tradition, but they might go by a different name in a different for someone of a different tradition, right? Yeah, exactly. You know, and I, I do love, you know, at times I would see someone of a different culture and a particular angel would be around them and rest in that culture. You know, and I'd always think that is very, very beautiful um, to see the angels adopt to, to us, you know, that connection to us being so strong that in a sense they, they don't want to make us feel different in, an, in any way. They make themselves like us in one sense, you know, in, in, in their appearance. And, and I love that. Um, I, I see that many, many times, you know, it depends on where I am. And now here in Ireland, you know, we've more cultures coming into Ireland. Mm -hmm. You know, I must write about that someday, yeah. you know, and, and seeing the, the difference. It's, it's like a young woman I saw yesterday in um, a cafe and she actually turned and said hello to me, you know, and gave me a smile. And when she was leaving, I was saying goodbye but I don't know what culture she was from, but her guardian angel didn't give the appearance of an angel as like an Irish person, you know, the way the, the common one within the Catholic church in that, in that way. Um, but had, what would I say? It was like different wrappings and I knew they represented something within that young woman's culture. And it was just very lovely to see. And and then, you know, when she was leaving, she said goodbye. And I said, have a lovely day. We only had those passing words. But her guardian angel had whispered in her ear to when she was sitting with her boyfriend and chatting away, she actually turned, you know, um, to get my attention, you yeah. know. And, and that was her guardian angel. And that was her responding to what her guardian angel was saying to her. Mm -hmm. And I'd like to follow up on that because 
uh, in your in your writings, you talk about how the angels are always trying to get our attention, always trying to communicate with us. And in your experience, I could ask this question in from two directions. I could ask, how can we learn to listen to the angels? Or conversely, what do you believe keeps us from hearing? Um, I, I think what keeps people from hearing really is that, you know, they kind of expect maybe their guardian angel will say something absolutely incredible to them. You know what I mean in that in that way. But your guardian angel is guiding you in life, in trivial things, but those trivial things grow into the big things in that in that way. And they're always teaching you as well. So it's in in a sense not to allow the human part of you block the spiritual part of you, block the soul, block the spiritual being, your guardian angel right there with you as well. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's like I'm always saying to everyone, if if my guardian angel, which it didn't, but if it did, say pick up the pen and do a few scribbles, I would say to you, pick up the pen. Don't just look at it because you probably would look at it and you would remember the thought coming into your mind, but you ignore it. Mm-hmm. And that's your guardian angel just teaching you to respond. Mm-hmm. There's no meaning. And sometimes someone gets so focused, oh, I want to learn, I want to learn. And your guardian angel picks, tells you to pick up the pen, but you're all the time looking at the pen and saying, well, what does it mean? Ah, that's really interesting. What does it mean? It means nothing. They're only teaching you. (laughs) Right. That's so interesting because I think we have the tendency to ask, well, what for? Like, where is this going? What's What's the meaning in this? What's the greater purpose in this? And like that sort of example, it seems so insignificant. So it would be easily dismissed because we would think, well, that that doesn't make any sense. But what you're saying is that's it's not about it making sense. It's about us learning to follow those impulses. And yeah. are, do they come sometimes come as intuitions? I, I know different people have different abilities. Some people, you know, can can see things, some people can hear things, some people just intuit things. So I presume the guardian angel will communicate with us depending on our own sort of, you know, abilities. Yeah. Yeah, and the guardian angel does in that way, um, whether it comes intuitive to you or even a feeling in your stomach, but the thought is there the way the way it has come, or you have actually heard in in another way, or you just sometimes someone would say, Oh, I just got a feeling and I don't know why I looked at the pen. Mm. But I knew maybe I should pick it up. But I didn't. And one thing the angels have told me to use and God has told me to use. And I was saying, but God, I, I can't use that word. And um, I was told to use it because people need to be aware, um, a little bit more aware. So it must be to help. And that is, um, don't be lazy. That's <laughs> the word. Don't be lazy, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's it's like, you know, what kind of lazy to respond, Mm. you know, to get up and make that cup of tea or all of a sudden, you you know, you should go for a walk, but you just want to sit there. You don't want to bother, but you're being told to go for a walk, you know, yes. 
And I wonder sometimes if it's also in addition to being lazy, it's the fear of being seen as odd to do something that might come intuitively that others might think is really weird. And I want to circle back to your experience because when you were young, you were told not to tell anybody what you were seeing because it was dangerous for you, right? Yes, it was um, very dangerous for me if if I had said to my mom or dad, because I was already considered retarded. And because in Ireland, they didn't know about dyslexic, so I'm dyslexic, but I'm very bad. You know, I'm across the board kind of thing. And if a child in Ireland at that time showed any signs of having difficulty, you know, speaking or responding or learning. Like I would always pick up something differently than everyone else would. Because, mm-hmm. you know, I, I see things the opposite way around. So I would go the opposite way yeah. in that. So, you know, being considered retarded, the angels used to say, I had to keep it a secret, not to let anyone know. Mm-hmm. And they taught me as well as as I grew as a child, you know, the understanding, because they would say to me, they know no better. Right. You know, because as a child, sometimes you'd feel a little bit hurt because you, no one is talking to you or you're not being involved in things or in a sense, you know, you're put in the back of the class in a de- seat on your own in that, that way. But I have to say the angels... And have taught me everything I know, you Mm. know, and that's incredible because they have been great teachers. Yeah, absolutely great teachers. Um, And again, they're not just my teachers, they're my friends. And I'm still learning, by the way. So if anyone tells you that they know everything, I'm afraid they're fibbing (laughs) because (laughs) I'm still learning. Right. You know, right. And and also, in addition to the dyslexia, because you were seeing angels that nobody else could see, it seemed like you were sort of in your own world. So there was that as well, like she's not entirely here, like something's wrong. But it's what's what fascinates me is, you know, somebody might look at that and say, oh, she's she's developmentally, you know, backwards. Whereas I think evolutionarily speaking, you were developmentally ahead of most people because of this ability to to communicate with the non-material beings. Yeah. um, Well, you see, they have been the best teachers ever, and they still are. But I don't know what it's like for you. Mm. This is normal and natural for me. And as a child, I probably, you know, I was ignoring my parents. I was entertained in, a, in another way. You know, I, I was watching the angels because I could see them physically, you know, so that's normal. I find it hard to imagine you going out on the street there, someone coming into your office and you not seeing even the glow from the person's body, or you're not seeing the light of the guardian angel, or you're not seeing even the soul of a loved one come fleeting by. You know, all that, if I can see it, why can't you? Mm-hmm. Right. Like, and I how do you understand that. that. 
How do you answer that question? I I I can't. The only thing I the only way I can answer it is one word that God had taught me, and that is everything is beyond our comprehension, if I'm even pronouncing the word. And remember, I haven't been educated by the world. Right. Right. Oh, and you also say in your in your memoir that all children are born into this world able to see angels. Yes. But that is trained out of us. We are we are trained to only believe in what we can see and touch. Well, you can see them, but um, we are trained to to shut that capacity out of our awareness. Yes, um, it's it's like even all the books on your shelf there. You can read them all. Mm-hmm. What a fantastic gift you have when you don't realize it. Mm-hmm. I can't read them. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's like, again, so many people don't realize the gifts you have. Right. And you don't use them. You don't use them enough. You don't allow them to develop enough. Um, like, it's just all normal and natural for me, the way I have been taught. And being dyslexic, I give out to God about that all the time. You know, why can't I read a book? Why can't I pick it up? Why can't I, you know, write like everyone else, you know, one sentence after another and all all of that. And, you know, that's a gift you have. So many people have that gift out there in the world, but you don't use it, really. You don't allow it to develop beyond a book in that, in that, in that way. But again, being dyslexic, it kind of, I guess, God and the angels worked it all out, you know, that I couldn't be contaminated by the world growing up. Even as a teenager, I couldn't be contaminated. And even as a mother, you know, I couldn't be contaminated either, you know, because I would have my son and my two sons, you know, if a letter had to go to the school, they'd come home and tell me. So they'd write it. Right. Uh, so, and so, in a way, that your learning disability protected you. It it guarded yeah. you, and it and it kept this gift that you have secure and safe from being questioned or shaped by by other by sort of like the you know the predominant ways of thinking. Yeah. It's so interesting, isn't it? How things that we think are are disadvantages turn out to be blessings. Yeah, and you know, if if I had turned around and said to my mom and dad or to neighbors on the street or anything, you know, that there's an angel there beside them, or I see their grandfather or their their mom who died years ago, you know, way back in Ireland then, I wouldn't be here talking to you. I would have been put into an institution. Right. That's what would have happened. So I have to say God has really protected me. And even today, you know, you still get where people think you're crazy and you're mad, but I know God is real and I know angels are real. And I know even though I don't see your soul because I'm seeing you on the screen, I know you have a beautiful soul as well. That spark of light of God within you, in every part of you and yet out there as well. Um, And the other lovely thing is that no matter where I am in the world, even on a crowded street or I'm up in a, in a building and looking down and seeing all the people, I'm seeing people, but I'm seeing the angels and the souls of loved ones. 
And to me, that is, again, incredible. You know, God is real and you have a soul. You are highly gifted. You are full of light. Everyone is. I do wish you could see everyone like I see them because then you wouldn't physically, because then you wouldn't be hurting them or harming them, or neither would they be doing that, that to you. And I, I know science as, as such, with instruments, they're picking up some of that light, and they call it heat, but there's another light beyond that as well. Yes. Yeah, that... And you have described how as beautiful as the angels are, that the human soul is even more stunningly beautiful. Oh, yes. I, I can't even put that into words. Like angels are this incredible light and they give this human appearance within it that I can recognize. And even their clothing is the angel too. They don't have to take off their clothes like us. We, we have skin and we clothe ourselves. It's different. Um, but the soul, like sometimes when I'm giving a workshop here in Ireland, or maybe I'm abroad, um, sometimes someone's soul comes forward that tiny little bit and I can't but help but stare. Because it is incredible. That light is beyond explanation or beyond this description in in any way. It's it's just incredible. So I have a question for you, Lorna, that you were you were advised to stay silent for most of your life until you were told to write this book. And this really was much of what you share in this book, you had never told anyone before. No, I had never. So why do you think they had you share that at now, at that particular time? I I believe at that particular time, it's it's not for me. It's for the world. It's for you. Like, I'm I'm nothing. It's not about me. It's about you. It's about mankind becoming aware of their soul and that intertwining, you know, of, of it becoming one. And I always remember Archangel Michael and, you know, heading home from the town with my young daughter in the pram fast asleep. She was only a baby. And he come and annoying me. I was a busy mom, you know, and he calling me and coming up beside me. And I just told him to go away. I stopped wheeling the pram whole, you know, bar holding it and I just looked at him like you know what do you want you know and he just said he had a message from God and I didn't want to hear that message you know um, because I was so busy you know I was a young mom I had three children at this stage my two boys and my little girl in the pram and he just turned around and he said you know it's getting near time for you to write and help would be sent. And I just turned and looked at Archangel Michael and I just said, but I can't even read and write. What does God expect me to even write one book? Like it was to me impossible um, in, that, in that way. 
And But when the time did come, but God's time and our time is not the same. And I didn't really think about it because I was trying to run away from it, as God is always saying to me, Lorna, why are you hiding? You know, so I hide all the time. I try to, you know, didn't hear at all in that way. I, I run away. But eventually, I always knew that one day I'd have to say yes. And, and that did happen a couple of years after Joe had died. I said yes. And straight away, you know, the help came. You know, straight away, someone knocked on my door and asked, what could I, I see someone? And they knew nothing about me. And then someone that I had just met somehow, and um, I just said to them, because I was told to say to them, I'm going to write. And I had no money or anything like that. And, you know, they knew I couldn't write, read or write. You know, and one day they knocked on the door, came in, had a cup of tea, and then they said they had something out in the car for me and brought in two big boxes, put them on the table and said, they're for you, and they left. And that was a Dell laptop, a printer, and then a smaller little box that had Dragonet. Ah, yes. So it could transcribe. You could talk so, and it would transcribe. Yes. Yes. So that's how it started. But like I had this on my, and at that time, that would have been really cost an awful lot of money. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, you can get laptops cheap mm-hmm. compared to what that would have cost. I actually have a right here. It's big and it's heavy. Wow. Um, and again, you know, moving on, part of the story was, you know, when I came down here to the farmhouse, when all this part of the story that's in the book as well, you have some of it there, came down here. Again, it was the community that I met, you know, this husband and wife, I met the wife first. And I told her I had this laptop and I want to write. And Similarly, her husband was an expert at that time in computers and everything like that. And that that was a miracle because he set it up in a way because I told him I couldn't read. There's no point telling me, and I still can't do it today, two buttons. And that really is all I ever had to do on and off and something down here and away I go. Wow. Wow, everything just came together so beautifully. And you had to, you know, run the risk by sharing this of people truly thinking you're crazy. (laughs) Because, and still, you know, some people think that these mystical experiences that many of us have are, they're not real. And yet, by doing that, by coming out with your story, my suspicion is that you gave a lot of other people permission to acknowledge their own experiences and open up more fully. Did you find yes. that to be the case? Yes, I, I did find that. I um, Well, the publishers were telling me and my editor and all of that, that they never expected angels in my hair. They expected it to flop. Mm. So it actually gave them a shock. So there again, you know, God's hand was in it. Yeah. You know, in that in that way. 
And when doing book signings, you know, so many people of all ages just said, you know, you've given us hope. You know, if you could write a book and I have, I feel I'm not good enough in college with everyone else. Now I know I can do it. Or, you know, I want to be a nurse, but I was doubting myself. But if you could do this, Lorna, now I know I can be a nurse and I know I can be a good one and I know I can do my exams. You know, it it just seemed to give so much hope, you know, and it still is today giving huge amount of hope to, to the world right, right across. And that's what it's about. Yeah. It's about, you know, giving that hope and and changing life for the better. Yes. And you've talked about the angel of hope also. And I'd like us to just talk a little bit about, um, you know, where we are globally, because it's a very challenging time right now. And, uh, And also, you know, I live in the United States, and it's a very challenging time for this country. And you have talked about the angels have shared with you the role of America. And I would love to hear you talk about the times that we are presently in and what the angels are telling you about these times and how we can, how we can partner with them, I guess I would say in this moment. So I would just love to hear you talk about some of that. Well, how would I say it? Um, I know the American people can, and you're all Americans, no matter what part of the world you have come from. You're all Americans. And so is the indigenous people there in America as well. They are Americans as well. I would just love you to come together a bit more, you know, in in that way and, and not be angry with each other or not thinking one is better than than the other. You are meant to come together. You are the gateway for the future. You're the gateway for hope for the future. I was shown this like enormous gate, you know, and, and America is like, you have so many answers to so much for the world and you just don't realize it. And, and I know there's other countries that would say, well, they have the answers as well. But America doesn't realize how powerful it is, how strong it is, you know, and neither do the people. I would love you all to love each other. You know, there's great hope there. And I would say to you all, you know, pray, pray and ask for what is the best for everyone in your country and the world, not for yourself, for everyone. And I know that's a start. And it's like, you know, the angel of hope, every time I'm over in America and I see the angel of hope, I just, he's just incredible. He is so enormous. Now, I know all angels are enormous, but the angel of hope, it's just the way he's he's dressed from head to toe in just like one big cloak in in that sense. And then he's holding this huge torch, a flame, and the closest humanly I can get is, you know, the Olympic torch. But it's way more incredible than that. And the flame is so alive. But I love at times, and I've seen it in America, where he has 
the angel of hope has made himself in proportion to a human being. And just seeing him walking in front of someone, carrying this torch, but it's the way he turns. I, I can't do it, but it's just so incredible. The way he turns, it's like as if even his knees slightly bend and he's turning and he's beckoning to the person not to give up, to keep coming, keep going. You will make it. You can do it. Like, And to me, he's doing that for America. Now, I know he's doing it for the whole world, but America has so many of the solutions for the world. And again, that's because the American Gathering Angels have gathered you all from all over the world. You are all nationalities. You are all fates, but you're to become one. And I know you can do it. I believe in you. God believes in you. You know, all the angels believe in you. And even all the souls of your loved ones that have gone to heaven believe, believe in you as well. You know, yeah. sure, I, I even have family myself over there. And I often said to God and Archangel Michael, well, how come you didn't want me over there? You know, and seemingly, no, I'm to stay here. And it's like to help to open that gate yes. for, for America to awaken you. Yeah. And I want to just say, as an American, I want to thank you because that message is so needed for us right now because we have, you know, the our society has been so fractured um, and there's a lot of fear. There's a lot of anger. Um, and it's, you know, and I do see, you know, it's, I do see that people, some people are losing hope in, in this country, have lost hope. And and to to hear from you, from the angels through you, that we have an essential role to play as as a microcosm of the entire world. And that really this is our task is to come together and even, you know, in this in this challenging time to find a way forward in in love, in trust, in respect, in honoring one another. So Lorna, keep keep putting that message out. <laughs> it's so, so important. I I will keep putting the message out and I'm hoping to go back to America to do a tour. Yeah. Um, I think it's the end of July or August, something something like that. Um, but again, just, I'd, I'd just say to, to people, just say to yourself, what have you got to lose in believing that you have a guardian angel and that you have a soul? You've that spark of light of God within you. That's why the angels love to be around us, because you know they're in the presence of God as well, because of that tiny spark of light. So you are pure, you are love, you are compassion, you are hope, and you can't go into a supermarket and buy any of those things. And yet every human being is crying out for love, for hope, for peace, for healing. Yes, and we are, of course, in the in the the Christian tradition right now is in the season of Advent, which is a season that we think of angels a lot. And and so often the message is, don't be afraid. 
yeah, we we shouldn't be afraid. Um, that was one thing, you know, I had said to God, you know, especially when Angels in My Hair was going to come out, when the publishers came back and said, well, are you, what are you going to call God, Jesus, you know, all the other names. And I just, one day, God was standing this side of me and, and I, I just said, you know, God, what do I call you? I'm so scared. I'm afraid of, you know, if I don't call you the right name, the world is going to get so angry, mm-hmm. you know. And I named out a list of names, Jesus, Holy One, Allah. There was a whole load of names I listed, I listed out at that, that time. And just God said, Lorna, you know, what do you call me? And I remember getting kind of annoyed and kind of putting my hands on my hips. God, of course, why would you ask me that silly question? <laughs> you know? And um, and it was then that God said, the word God is universal. Everyone knows who you're talking about and what you're talking about when you use the word God. You answered your own question then. I did. <laughs> <laughs> I I would love to hear you talk a little bit also when we think about where we are right now on planet Earth. Um you have you have shared uh seeing the 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 queen of of the angels and yes. talk to us about the queen of the angels and and her importance right now for us. Well, I would say her importance for us now, you know, she's the queen of the angels, the queen of all souls, that's man. She's the queen of the heavens. She's she's the mother. She's everything to us. And in different traditions, we may call her different things, but she's there. And this is a very special time of the year because, again, nearly all traditions know what time of the year this is. This is kind of the, the end of, you know, one cycle going into another. And this is the time of the year that the gates of heaven, and when I use that term, is, you know, is open just that little bit bit more. And it's like that fail is that bit thinner. And this is the time we can ask and we can pray and we can, in a sense, be better than, than we are. Allow, because just seeing those angels, those special angels that only come at this time of the year, streaming out, you know, between, it's it's like as if it's only that size, but yet these angels are streaming out there, you know, through those gates, through those big, massive stone. It's stone, but it's not smooth. It's, you know, and it's full, and it's full of light. And just seeing them streaming out, and they're carrying this precious ball of light in their hands, you know, and, and they're going like this, you know, in this in this way. And like the other evening, I looked out the window and it was dark out. And in the distance, I saw a ball of light falling and I knew an angel had dropped it. And of course, it hit a home where somebody was living or a family or God knows how many people were there. And it was like as if it just exploded. And it's like, if, I know it went into kind of every nook and cranny, but it touched everyone. 
that spark of light touched everyone to help to fill them with the spirit of Christmas, the gift that God is giving of love and hope and peace, compassion, healing, all of that. But so many times we don't want that gift, but yes, we're crying out for it. We we're think, crying out for it and we're going, no. Yes, <laughs> you know, um, because we're looking at the material things, but just open our hearts and children show us the spirit of Christmas so many times, whether it's through tears or through something they say or through you know, them gathering in a bunch and they're talking about Santa Claus and, and the baby being born, you know, and that's what we have to remember. You know, Christmas time is showing us the mother and a child being born and it's defenseless. You know, it needs protection. It needs love. And yes, this baby was bringing love to us. You know, and, and that's meant to hit our hearts and move us. It's like when you watch the news and you hear a young boy or a young girl, a child saying, what did I do wrong? Mm -hmm. They did nothing wrong. I'm afraid it's all the adults that have done things wrong for, for power and for material things and for land, yeah. wanting to take over, yes. you know, in that way. And this is Christmas, so... I'm being asked to ask people to ask for the gift of love, just a little bit more. If you could put a little bit more love into your heart, to be that little bit more kinder and loving and happier yourself, you know, and feeling good yourself, you know, what a difference in saying, I will accept a little bit more love. I'll put it in my heart, I'll hold it there, and I will keep it there. Like even a, an expression of a smile, the angels are always telling people to smile at each other. Because I'm all the time saying, the smile you give to a stranger, you might have just saved their life. Your smile might have given them back belief and faith not to do something silly, to change their mind. And it's important. I have had many people come up to me, and mainly young men, and they just say, you saved my life. Wow. Either the red angels in my hair, or they say, we saw your smile, and you saved my life. My life was to end that day. You know, so it's, it's worth it. I, I don't mind being ridiculed or laughed at. Because I always remember saying to God, well, if I help one person in the world, is that my job finished? <laughs> um, got no answer at the time. <laughs> but, you know, if you help one person in the world, no matter, even with a smile, that's worth, that's priceless. There's no value on it. It's priceless. So don't be looking at the things that you believe have price on them. You know, your family, your friends, everyone in your life want the love. It's not the presence. They want your smile, your hug, you know, the things that are priceless. Yeah, That's what Christmas is about. It's like the shepherds coming to the baby. 
you know, to the little baby born and they bring in their gifts. But a big gift we can give everyone is love. Yes, thank you for that reminder because we, I think we often discount those little things that we can do that that may, they might seem very small to us, but they might have a huge effect for someone else. And I think as you say that, it it just brings home to me how much we have a role to play in, in partnering with the angels and, and co-creating a new world that is based in peace and respect and love. Um, so it's not like, you know, you know, the angels do everything for us. We we are here on this planet. Which exactly. We we have to, your your guardian angel or any other angel or even the soul of a loved one is not going to sweep the floor for you. They're telling you to get up and sweep the floor. You have, have, you, to asked? The floor. have you asked? You've asked. Yes, I have asked. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you have to get up and sweep the floor. So you have to play your part and and I would just say to all your listeners, you know, if there is anyone in their family or someone they know that they love and care for, that has nowhere to go this Christmas or that are alone, you know, why not ask them to your home? You know, show that little bit of love. It's like this is the time to break down the barriers, you know, um, if there's a row in the family, you know, sometimes then one half of the family doesn't see each other. And then you have those children growing up and then they discover they have other nieces and nephews. And then there's another row because the younger ones don't understand why they weren't allowed to get to know each other. Right. You know, so it's kind of open your door to your family, mm-hmm. you know, tell them the welcome I'd love to have you drop over or whatever, you know, but especially because we hear so much of suicides of young people that couldn't go home for Christmas. And that could be a member of your family and you don't even know it. Could be a cousin you don't even know. Wow. Yeah. So so think about it. That's all I'm asking. Just think yeah. about it. Yes. Open the heart. (laughs) Absolutely. Right. Open the heart. Open the heart. Um, Sort of along those themes of opening up spaces for people to gather, you are involved in a very, very exciting project sanctuary that that the angels have asked you to to undertake. Um, Tell us about that, if you would. Um. That's an incredible story. And I know I can't tell you the whole lot, but at the moment I'm doing workshops and there's lots going on at the sanctuary here in Ireland. But the incredible story about that is that even as a child, I was in sanctuary, but didn't know I was. I stood at some of the big windows looking out onto the lake holding God's hand. And even as a teenager, but I didn't quite understand. And Then before Joe died, when we were coming down in this direction, um, it was a time when we were going along the road close to the house here. And for me, everything slowed down. And Archangel Michael was standing at these two pillars, this, this 
real old gate and two pillars. And he just said, Lorna, you will live here one day. And all this I could see over the wall was this tiny little roof. And Joe was already sick. And Joe had even said to me what he was driving, are you okay? And I muttered something to him. And I said to Archangel Michael, no way, we're not living in that little box. That's too small, Joe's too sick. And after Joe died, the odd time coming down to this old farmhouse here, um, sometimes there would be angels at those two pillars, the gate, but I ignore them. I'm, as I said, I ignore. <laughs> I didn't want to give any attention to it at all. And then one day, I'm skipping loads of the story now, but then one day, a friend of Nile, Susie, because my family were saying, Mom, you can't keep traveling six to nine months out of the year. We have to find something here for you. And what would I say? She sent him a video, but as a joke. And the next minute he sends it to me and he's on the phone and he says, you press this button. You know, he was guiding me. And I got a terrible shock because when the, fit, the link opened up, what do you think it was? those two pillars and that gate, you know, and I started to put two and two together in my head, but I was getting, I was so shocked um, because you could still see this little roof. And I still, I was shocked, but couldn't figure it out. And my son, Niall just said, keep watching, keep watching, you know, and the next minute the video goes down this little windy, dusty laneway to this enormous big house. And skipping the story again, um, there was a couple from America who had read Angels in My Hair and it had a huge effect on their lives and their families and saved somebody's life. And they had come over here to the farmhouse and they discovered that I do more than what what I say I do, that I do a lot more that people don't know about. And they said, well, we have the money. We could build on two big rooms for you. You know, we could repair the shed out the back. You know, you could have people come. But God's plans were no, <laughs> you know, um, because we were turned down in the planning department and um, but my son sent that link to them. He said, Mom, I'm going to send it to them. So he was listening to his guardian angel. You know, he sent it to them and they came back straight away and said, that's it. They bought it. I have no money. Mm. They bought it and they gave it as a gift. And then they gave money for repairs. Mm -hmm. And the word Kilfane means sacred place. And God had already told me that it will be there, still there in 300 years time. But I know the world has to respond. So people have to come yeah. in that way. But I've been told so many things are going to happen there. Mm. You know, I've shared some of them with my son, you know, and he just says, mom, I don't want to hear that's too much. That's yeah, I can't cope in that. Exactly. Let's just fix the roof right now. Let's just, yeah. 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 Well, well, we have fixed the roof and, and seemingly, 
if the place hadn't, if that couple hadn't bought it and given money to start to work on it. Now, other people have as well. Um, all the seven roofs would have fallen in. Wow. So it's we're doing workshops there now at the moment and loads of things. And what would I say? The garden and the forest and the two rivers and the lake. The lake's there. Like, and, and when I went into the big house when the, the couple had bought it and I was walking around, I was just so shocked because the windows were massive. Um, and just remembering standing there holding God's hand and looking out. You know, none of these are my plans. I have no plans whatsoever. <laughs> none. These are God's plans. But one thing God has said is, you know, the world has to respond. And one thing God reminds me of and has proven it to me loads of times, many are called, few are chosen, and very few of those few that are chosen say yes. They're God's words. I'd have to try and get it, get it correct, you know, so. So you, the, the property that you saw yeah. years and years ago and drove yeah. by and you had this information yeah. from, from Archangel Michael that you would one day live there. It's an old building that's, I don't know how old, but yes. it was in disrepair. And so now it was purchased and now it's being restored. And it is the, the vision is that it be a place where people from all over the world can come, right? Yeah, it's 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 what God has said to 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 connect back to their soul for that evolution, the intertwining of the human body and the soul. That's what God has called it, the intertwining. And over the last few years, I had learned that science uses that word a lot, intertwining. Mm. But God had given me that word, so that's why I used it in in that in that way. And um, yeah, there's an awful lot to go on there, but then the world has to respond. People have to come, and and please God, we'll get more people that will donate to help to do what God wants. Because He's already, I've already told my son some of the things that I have been told and I'm not told everything, you know, um, there's still a huge amount, but the main thing is people connecting back to their soul, back to God and realizing that God is real. You know, like I was so shocked when I was asked by bishops and priests and rabbis and ministers. And I, I don't know the names of some of the other the other faiths, the other religions, asking me, you know, I, I was just stunned when it started to happen. And they asked me, Lorna, is God real? I thought they knew God was real. Mm. Mm. You know, so that really gave me a terrible shock to think that people in, in religion, in churches that are the heads, you know, ask me, is God real? God is real. So don't wait till your human body dies to find out that, you know, um, and at that moment you will know and you will know about your guardian angel. But we're meant, mankind is meant to start to connect back to our soul, 
you know, and for that intertwining to start. And I know a lot of it has to do with America as well and opening those gates and stepping forward. But God has started um, and yet it's connected to the sanctuary in Ireland. Yes. It's like the world doesn't respond good enough. God will withhold it. Mm -hmm. You know, and I don't want to withhold because the sanctuary is not mine. It's yours. It belongs to the world. So we really, it's, um, maybe that's why you were instructed you are to stay in Ireland. <laughs> not <laughs> um, so really, it's, it's about, for each of us, when you say, you know, that only a few who are, who are called actually respond and say yes, um, for each of us to really listen inwardly, to listen to our hearts, and to ask if this if this vision is something that is ours to contribute to. And if the answer is yes, people can go online and make a donation. Um, I know people can just Google Lorna Byrne Sanctuary and and they'll find the website. And there's there are videos there where people can see the property and see all the exciting work that is underway. So I, I encourage everybody to check that out. And I also encourage people to read your books, which are extraordinary. And we, I, you know, I wish we had like five hours to talk because there's so much that I would love to talk with you about, including, you know, how people can really begin to open up to, to, to their guardian angel and to that, that relationship. And you've touched on that in, in, in your books as well. So I encourage people to check those out. Um, as we wrap up, Lorna, is there anything else that you would like to share? Well, I suppose what I would like to share is my love. I want to tell you all that I love you all. And I ask for all the blessings that you need within your life and for your hearts to be softened in so many ways and for you to realize how incredible and beautiful you all are. But I would love to say, the Archangel Michael prayer that God had given him. Yes. So I'm just going to bless myself, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Prayer of thy healing angels, that's courage from God, by the Archangel Michael. Pour out thy healing angels, thy heavenly host, upon everyone here. Let them feel the beam of thy healing angels upon them, the light of your healing hand. I will let the healing begin, whatever way God grants. God bless us all. Amen. And God bless to all of you. Okay, I want wonderful things for America and for the world. Okay. Thank you. Thank you so, so very much for, for taking your time and being in this conversation with me. It's been a great, great gift. So until we meet again, blessings and blessings to all of the listeners. Be well.